Toronto Argonauts head coach Ryan Dinwiddie. Man, you know, I've heard some talk around the league that other coaches are envious. We just saw it there, of your hair. How much longer is that going to stay around? Well, it'll probably stay around. The, my, uh, my mom's side goes bald at like 20, so I've passed that stage. I don't think that's going to happen. But my dad's side, we all go gray. So I'm assuming being a head coach, I'll be gray here pretty soon. So you'd rather have gray hair than no hair there, right? Absolutely. Uh, that's why they have Jess for Man if I need to dye it. <laughs> Would you do that? I've done it with my beard a few times when I've grown it out because it's uh, not a good look when it's all white. I'm going to have to tell that to Michael Shea because his beard's kind of white and red a little bit yeah he's he's rocking i actually this year i didn't die at all my wife gets mad at me when i do it and she likes the gray i go i don't i don't like it so it doesn't make me feel comfortable <laughs> as long as the hair there yeah for exactly. sure do you think as a head coach there might be a chance that you you could lose some of that even though you don't want to think about it uh hopefully just a little bit in the power alleys right here i don't want to go completely bald i can at least have a comb over hide that <laughs> um what have the last few months for you been like uh, it's been crazy, obviously, because you know, doing the interview in Ottawa and then in Toronto and then uh, getting the job in Toronto and trying to put a staff together the last month and dealing with the coach's cap and everything else with that and uh, trying to make sure guys aren't taking pay cuts, uh, you know, from what they made the year before. So I feel pretty good about that. And then now evaluating the roster and looking at that and which guys we want to keep on board, which guys we got to improve from, you know, move on from, and then look at the free agents across the board and which guys might shake free that we might have a chance to talk to in February. It's just try to be as much prepared as I can be going into free agency and then putting our offense together with the staff here soon and then hiring defense coordinator, special teams coordinator. Was it a surprise for you that the Argos sort of kind of came on as strong as they did? Uh, maybe a little bit. I, I think that, you know, the fact that they tried so hard to get me the year before, uh, I think they had a good uh, feel for who I was and, you know, I obviously got to sit down and talk to Jim. I think Jim kind of got that ball rolling before he left, pushing me as far as the coach that he felt like I was. And then obviously Mike and uh, Murph uh, bought in and, and, and uh, sold me the bill and I met with Bill and everything worked out uh, the way we all wanted it to. And so now we're moving forward uh, going into the season. Yeah, how much of the relationship between you and John Murphy was there from the Calgary days and did that help get things rolling? Yeah, well, I met Murph when he first uh, came in the league when I was in Winnipeg. And I mean, he was with Mike, Mike uh, Kelly at the time was the coach. So built a relationship there with him and and then in Calgary, we actually just missed each other. He, he left about two weeks after I took the job there, and then he took the job with Chris Jones. So we've known each other forever. He kind of got the ball rolling. Uh, pinballs had me marked for a while, and they put me as their number one target, and I appreciated that, and I, I wanted to be the coach for the Toronto Argonauts because they believe in me, and I believe in them. You mentioned Winnipeg, and while you were there, there was a couple other backup quarterbacks with you that are now head coaches in the NFL. I want to get them right. Cliff Kingsbury yep. and Zach Taylor, yep. one in Cincinnati, the other in Arizona. Could you have ever imagined that, that you're playing with those guys and they are where they are today? Uh, you know, not really, not the NFL. I knew Zach would have some uh, opportunities because his, his father-in-law is Mike Sherman. And so he brought him into the league at, uh, with the Dolphins a long time ago. So he's kind of been there for about eight or nine years and, you know, made the fast track to the head coach. And Cliff, I always knew would be a head coach soon and college level. I just go down and spend time with him in Texas Tech. So he was a friend of mine. And then I didn't think that he was going to get fired from Texas Tech, get the head coaching job for the Cardinals, but he did. And they seem to be making uh, strides this year. I think he's going to turn it around. Yeah, and if I can, there was a report out of Cleveland that the Browns had talked to you part of their coaching search. Is there any truth to that? No, there's not. I actually got a few texts yesterday. People calling me like, hey, what's going on? I go, I don't know. And then they, they, a lot of people didn't believe me. So then they started sending the text with the article and I read it. I'm like, well, this is news to me. I haven't had any conversations with them. Uh, it's flattering that, uh, you know, if I was mentioned uh, in that situation, but I don't think that's uh, it's fake news. Yeah, and I was just wondering about the fact that you had those connections of guys that were already in the NFL. If, and as you said, you kind of spent some time in Texas Tech with Cliff. Like, 
Is that going to be sort of part of your offense in Toronto? Oh, well, we, we're going to put it all together. It's going to be a lot from what we did in Calgary. Uh, some things I did in 2014 in Montreal, and then the guys I'm going to hire, uh, stuff they do. I want to put it all together. I want everybody to have a voice. And so uh, I'll have the final say what we're going to do. But uh, we're always evolving. And we even did that in Calgary. But we spent all February uh, looking at NFL and college film. And then at the end of our self-scout, you look at those schemes to see what can fit. If it fits, it fits. If not, at least we did the research and we got better as football coaches. And it seemed like the Argos made a long-term commitment to you. Can you sort of shed some light on that? Like, is it a three-year deal? Is it a four-year deal? Like, what's the term there? Yeah, three-year deal. And uh, I'm excited for it. And, uh, you know, they have realistic expectations. You know, we have, we have a long ways to go. And uh, we want to be competitive next year and fighting for a playoff spot. But we want to be in the playoffs. And then after that, we want to be playing for championships, at least have an opportunity to. You don't get in the playoffs, you're not going to have an opportunity. you got to get in the dance and get a ticket and see how things go. And you want to get in the Great Cup, obviously, and host that trophy. That's the goal every year. Was it enticing to you that you could go into a situation where you knew you were going to get some time to build it out the way you wanted? A little bit, you know, where instead of, you know, let's say you go to a high-profile job that they've been very successful and you go in there and, it's not what they want, and you're gone the next year. You know, here we're we're building something special. You know, we, we got to build from the ground up, brick by brick, and the details are going to be very important. How we're going to attack this thing this offseason, what we're trying to build, but it's going to be more rewarding when you go in a place like Toronto and we can win there and do some things and kind of get our fan base back and you know build that culture with the city. I'm looking forward to that. And it seems like MLSC in general has kind of gone with either first time or young coaches. You look at Nick Nurse gets his first job with the Raptors and with the Leafs now. Sheldon Keith is there and it seems to have sort of researched the Leafs, uh, the TFC. I'm not so familiar with soccer, but yeah. Greg Vanny got his first opportunity there. And you're another guy. You're younger and getting your first opportunity there. So you feel like you fit that MLSE mold? I do. Uh, I think the thing with me being a young coach, they know we can build and we have a, a bright future. Right? The, we might have some ups and downs in the beginning, um, but you know, I want to be there for a long time. I want to be the head coach of the Argos for the next 10, 12 years if I'm lucky. You know, uh, Maybe longer than that. You never know. But I don't want it to be just a short, uh, short trip in Toronto for me and my family and we look forward to being there for a while and, and turning this thing around and I think it will be rewarding at the end. To be able to do that, have a decade-long plus run, you're probably going to need a franchise quarterback and I don't want to get you in any trouble, but were you surprised at least to see Nick Arbuckle traded to Ottawa? Yeah, I was surprised. You know, obviously uh, we didn't get any, any um, word that that was going to happen and I'm uh, you know, was surprised that Calgary pulled the trigger and did it. We didn't get a chance to counter offer and get a, even a chance to talk about it. But, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I think he's still a free agent uh, uh, once February 11th comes, unless he signs a new contract with, with uh, Ottawa. But I like two guys we have in our building now I really feel comfortable about. And then we'll look at free agency to add another guy. I mean, the, the most competition you have at each position, that's what we're trying to have happen in training camp this year. And have you had a chance to break down tape on McLeod Bethel-Thompson and James Franklin? Even Michael O'Connor got some reps too. Yeah, I got a chance to. I was just starting to, um, I'm not quite done with the whole season, but I've been going through it, evaluating each position. And uh, yeah, I thought McLeod did some good things last year. Didn't even have the wins that uh, you'd want from a franchise quarterback, but the stats were there. So uh, how can we get uh, him in the win column more if he's our quarterback? And I think he's got the potential to be that franchise type of guy. Uh, you know, Got the rust off this past year, and it wasn't a great situation for him, but I thought he played well, and he's got an upside. And uh, Michael Connor's a guy I had a high grade on uh, coming out of the, the draft last year. Uh, so I, I feel comfortable with him. He's got a ways to go. He's young. Uh, you got to give those guys some time, but we want to bring one, one other guy in the mix, too. Yeah, we like hearing that about Michael O'Connor, Canadian quarterback. Do you think he could be a starter down the line? I, I think he's got potential to be. We'll see how if he can develop into it, but uh, I had a very high grade on him coming out. And, 
He's got all the physical tools, and we'll, I got I got to spend some more time with him before I can say he's going to be a franchise quarterback. But he's got a, a great upside to be one. So you're a, an old quarterback yourself. Do you feel like when you look at the quarterback position in the CFL, do you even think about their nationality? I don't. Uh, I think quarterbacks are just whatever they are, and that's why I told Buckley and to never talk about it because it's your your quarterback in the CFL. You're not a Canadian. Right, you're just you're a quality quarterback in the CFL. That's why you're here. So that's just kind of how I view it. Obviously, the ratio is a little bit different with other positions, uh, but I think uh, if you're a quality quarterback, Canadian, American, Australian, uh, you deserve to be here. <laughs> you're you're, you're German, here. Mexican, yeah. right? We're going all over the world. Exactly. So no, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, you know, I, he did some good things, and I know he had some shots to go to the NFL last year and get drafted by Toronto, and that worked out for him. So I think he's got a great bright future. And a lot of people, you know, talk about your time spent with Bolivar Mitchell and Nick Arbuckle, obviously in Calgary. But I feel like what gets missed is Andrew Buckley, maybe partly because he retired early. And Dave Dickinson was in here before saying he felt like he could have been a franchise guy too. Did you feel like that? Yeah, I thought, I mean, if you watch him throw physical traits, he was just as good as any quarterback in the league. Now, we had to get him up to speed as far as using his eyes and vision, seeing rotation of the coverage and blitzes and stuff like that. He struggled a little bit with that because you don't see the CIS level. But we had a big uh, upside grade on him. And that's why we had him as our backup the one year. We thought he was going to develop into a starting quarterback at some point. And, you know, He's going to be a doctor, make a lot more money. His body's going to be a little bit safer. So I can't blame him for making that decision. For you, you mentioned it off the top that there were other opportunities. So you could have either stayed in Calgary and kind of had your pick again. Why Toronto and why now? Um, I just think the fact that I was their number one target and they did their research on me and they believed in me and they feel like I could turn this franchise around went a long ways with me. And uh, I, I understand it's a challenge. Some guys can wait for the perfect opportunity to be a head coach. Uh, I don't believe in that. That might not happen, right? Uh, head coaching opportunities are hard to come by. And even Huff said it. He goes, you don't pass up head coaching opportunities. That really sunk in with me for him to say that. Uh, I know he's leading me in the right direction. So that was kind of, I said, okay. And then I went and interviewed and I felt good about it and went home, talked to my wife about it, and we made the decision we were going to make that move. So looking forward to it. We have some challenges too, but yeah, you have challenges in any business, any uh, professional sports. So let's go ahead and attack it and know what our weaknesses are and get better. Did John Huffdangle have any other advice? Oh, Huff always has some advice. Uh, you know, they're not going to give you too much from you know, as, as far as the advantage I can get from uh, some things they say, but he's, he's just a, a good man. He gave me advice. I learned a lot from him the last four years, but um, he's as sharp as they come. So if he gives you any advice, you take it. So he essentially said, like, you know, head coaching jobs don't come along too often, or was it more the fact that you had the opportunity to put it together piece by piece the way you wanted? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. You know, I think he uh, that was more of the vision and that me and Murph and the Pinball and Bill talked about. I feel good about how we're going to approach things. That was the number one thing for me but this he said that before I even went to the interview I said I don't know like there's a coach in place so I might get an interview for this one and how close no matter head coaching jobs don't come long too often you don't pass them up I said okay just you know I just making sure I was doing the right thing by doing what I was doing and, and ran it by the boss and he said to do it so so when you came into town and to Toronto the sort of deal that they've made now is that before you sign that final contract they take you to a Leafs game or a Raptors game so did you hit up any of those before you signed or after? We, we did. So we actually, I interviewed in uh, Rogers or uh, wherever the basketball arena is. And we were in the, one of the back rooms. Oh, Scotiabank uh, Arena. Yeah. So we were in the, one of the back rooms and we met there. And we were going to sit courtside, but then pinball. I uh, thought that might 
would be too recognizable me sitting next to him and everybody would be all over it. So we were trying to keep it on the wraps. It was about a week before we announced that I was the head coach. So we sat in the back room and ironed things out and had great talks and lasted about four hours and felt really good about things uh, leaving the next day. And so I was excited about it. So it's easier that way if you do your interview and then you're up in like one of those fancy press boxes. The cameras can't get on you if you're courtside. Exactly. <laughs> so that, that was kind of how we approached that day. I just felt like because, you know, going along in the process, we've seen uh, other guys that were brought in there. Like I said, either went to a Raptors or Leafs game. But the fact that did, that didn't happen, I'm thinking, all right, well, who, who's the guy? Because that's what, just what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, we knew we had to be a little discreet about it. And so that's kind of how the process played out. And I got to watch the game from a TV in a, in a box, but I wasn't on the court side deal. But I'm sure I'll get that at uh, some point. I'll be up there all offseason. So what's that like for you to be part of that MLSE group that, you know, it's just this machine that has been so successful. And now you can, if you want it, I guess, potentially, you know, have a Masai Ujiri to talk to or even a Brendan Channing. Yeah, and then we, I've talked with Bill Manning about that, you know, getting a chance to talk with some of those coaches and just to, to see their philosophies of how they do things and day in, day out operations. You can learn from anybody. It doesn't necessarily have to be football all the time. And so uh, they're leaders of men, and so I'm sure I'll sit down with those guys at some point, pick their brain, and, and see if I can get something from them. And I feel like some people, you know, they will cross over like that. They feel like they can learn some stuff, or some other people feel like, you know, football is sort of its own thing, or basketball is its own thing, or hockey is its own thing. But, you know, what could you take away? Away from watching, let's say, the success that the Raptors had in winning the championship. Oh, I think it's you know tremendous success. I think the, you look at what they did as far as getting the city behind them, right? And uh, they they haven't been a winning franchise until uh, recently, right? And so you just look how the parade and just how it affected not only Toronto but Canada. And uh, so I think if we can build that culture and do it the same way and uh, with the Argos, then we get the fans behind us again. Uh, not that they're not behind us now, but we can get some more turnouts for the games and uh, bring some excitement uh, down to BMO Field. Yeah, and that's talked about a lot. And I feel like if anyone had the way to solve it, you know, it would have been done by now. But in your estimation, you know, what can be done to draw more people out there? Because BMO Field, you've been there before. It's so nice. It's right off the water. And they draw really well for TFC, which is a part of MLSE. And I believe Bill Manning said that last year the actual sold ticket sales were up. So from your standpoint, what do you think needs to happen to get more people interested down there? Just get the word out more? Yeah, I think, you know, we're going to try to do that. You know, that's Pinball's whole agenda, um, you know, being a local guy that's a public figure in Toronto. He's like the mayor. So uh, he's got his hands on everything. So he can get that going on his side. My side is just make sure we build a product that people want to come watch. And, you know, that... Uh, being competitive in games and not having the games where you're losing by 30, right? Uh, we got to be competitive week in, week out. We want to win football games this year. We want to get the playoffs and bring some excitement back. And I think if you put a good product on the field, the fans will start coming out again. And, you know, can that happen from the standpoint of, like, if you just have a winner, will it come? Because they won a great cup in 2017, and then we saw some excitement at City Hall when they had the rally, but it didn't seem like that generated the kind of staying power that we might have thought. So... I guess what I'm getting at, and some people have talked about this in the past, for better or for worse, do you need like a, a big name star to get fans out there? I don't think it would hurt, you know, if you get a, a guy that's, uh, look, look at like, for, for example, Pinball, like he's a big name star, he's a played whether 20 years ago, but then people still know who he is and he brought excitement and people wanted to come watch him play, right? I think there's something to that, but I think more than anything, the consistency of winning, right? They won that great cup and then they were horrible. And then the year before they were horrible, so it's like okay, the one one, and then they went back to the same old Argos. So we want to make sure we have a 
we can sustain success, okay, and then be successful each year. Now that's obviously not going to be winning Grey Cups every year, but you want to be able to compete for one, and your fan base feel like you got a shot to win a Grey Cup each year. That's what we're trying to build. And it seems like that's what TFC has done, and then they sort of sprinkled in those stars. And there was a lot of talk when Johnny Menzel had his stint in the CFL that, well, if you brought him to Toronto, would he draw people? Or let's say like a Josh Gordon, who's on the Argos necklace, like if he came up here, would that bring people in the stands? Like being a football guy, do you think that would? I think it could. I think a guy like Johnny Manziel, if you look at it, you would assume that just his hype uh, across North America, he would have came in and, and draw some uh, more fans in the attendance. But if he's not playing well, Right, and that's what I think happened with him. He wasn't putting a good product on the field, and that's why they, they didn't sell it. But yeah, if we can get a big name guy, I think you, you got a shot to get more fanfare for sure. So I'd imagine at the top of your list right now is finalizing the coaching staff. So do you have any names that you finalized? Are you close to that? Where you got? Uh, we got some offers out there, and then so contracts are out there. We're waiting for some guys to, to, to find it. This whole coaches cap is tough. Uh, to ask a guy to take a pay cut to leave another team to join your team, right? So some guys have done that, which is. Uh, I'm pretty proud about that and happy to have these guys on board. But we'll announce it here this next week, and I feel good about the guys we'll have, and I think it's going to shock some people how quality our staff will be. Uh, that's what's happening soon. Yeah. Some news in Argoland coming up. Yeah, we'll have it done here in the next week. we got, just got some details as far as like uh, numbers for some guys we've got to figure out, but it's, it's going to be uh, happening here soon. And then what about you and the family? I know you had said at the press conference that you're going to move to Toronto. Yeah. It's probably going to take some time. When do you foresee that happening? Yeah, so I'm I'm here now. I got in about three days ago, and so I'll be here for the whole offseason. I, I go back at the end of the month to pick up my wife and son, and so we'll have them in town uh, end of January. They'll be here, and then we're going to go back at the end of February and uh, pack up everything. We've packed up some stuff, but it's a, it's a process, man. So I'm actually flying my parents into town to help uh, get us out of there. So we'll have our hands full at the end of the month. But it's uh, well, the whole family will be in uh, March 1st. Also pretty soon. Yeah, pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to it. How old's your son? He is eight months old. Yeah. Oh, just young. Yeah, young. So he's, he's almost walking. He's got his little stroller. He'll push and walk around the house. And then, uh, yeah, it's crazy how fast they're going. So it's been fun to spend some time with him the last month. I've been trying to do more work, but it's tough when you got a little eight-month-old. Eight <laughs> trying to grab at your computer and all those things. So it's been pretty neat. You put a football in his hand yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I, got, I, got, I got a picture of this little mini football from my bowl game I have in his room. And then when I watch football at home, I have him on the couch. I put the football in his hand. He just pats on the big ball. So <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. Is he already pointing out where the Mike linebacker is? Not quite yet, like but we'll get him up there at some point. And, and that's the thing when I run my meetings and I get upset with my players sometimes. So I'm like, I, my eight months old son can do that. Come on, guys. Like, you know, I'll have to bring him out and show him off when he gets a little bit older. But got, no, I got him some golf clubs. Uh, he won't be able to use them for a year or two. But that's what I, my wife can't get mad at me if I'm golfing, I'm bringing my son. So that's what I got to get him going. Okay. On the golf game. Yeah. So you got any kind of game on the course? Are you getting close to scratch? Or what? No, I'm, I'm usually about. I only play probably eight or nine times a year uh, because we're up here during the winter time and during the season it's pretty tough. Five weeks that I get a chance to. But I'm usually around 80, 82, right around there. I haven't broke I haven't broke 70s, but once in like the last five years, which sucks. Cause I was I was in the end of my playing days. I was about 78, 79 on average. But now coaching, I'm a little bit worse. So if you just had some more time at it, yeah, if I had some more time, yeah, if I could, I could, I could be on green and regulation most of the time. But I'm a three putter, man. I'm a three putter for bogey a lot of the time. That's <laughs> what I'm saying, so.
I so need to get the putter figured out. Maybe you got to get yeah. one of those big swing putters that they got. Yeah, I know it. I know. It. I need some help there, but it's just boring for me to sit at home and I'll go to the range and end up putting. I just like to play, so no practicing for me, no range time. So we know that Coach Inouye can swing the sticks a little bit. You you think most quarterbacks could? Well, how's your golf game? It's got to be decent. Yeah, it's all right. But like you, you don't yeah. get the opportunity to play, right? Yeah. And I was nowhere near the quarterback that you were. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but no, it's funny. I was, we go out and play each year. Be you know, as a staff. Mark Miller was the one quarterback that couldn't play on our staff because Dave's was pretty good. Dave shoots in the 70s. We battle back and forth. But and Miller, how are you this bad? You're a quarterback. This baffles me. He's Canadian, too. He's giving us a bad name, Yeah, man. exactly. Was he hacking it around? Oh, he was horrible. He, I mean, like, high 90s at the best. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's going to want that on record. Oh, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't even play anymore. He wouldn't play with me last year, so he's going to get it here. So you and Dave beat him so bad that he just gave it up? Yeah, he just doesn't even like to go out there. He loses balls. He's horrible, so. <laughs> he just sticks to hockey. I do know that Dave's a pretty good bowler. You got any skills on the lane? Uh, decently. I can go with, I usually roll about 160. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good yeah. effort. Yeah, but I only, yeah, normally when I do, I, I go home in the Christmas. This was the last time I went bowling. My sister uh, manages a bowling alley. So when I go home, I bowl, but that's about the only time I get to. That's still nice, though, for not playing very much. Yeah, 160. No, no doubt. About an 80 golfer. Yeah. We'll see if we can get the Argos record over 500. That's in the what we got to do there. That's, that's what I'll be doing this year, working on that more than, than playing golf, that's for sure. All right, Ryan. Well, appreciate you taking some time. No, I know you're patient waiting for us, uh, but enjoy your time in Blue Mountain. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, Justin. Have a good one. Thanks, man. All right. Awesome. Cheers. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.